Welcome back to another episode of Live in the Visions. As we get started, a reminder that some topics we discuss may be a trigger for some, and I want to provide a warning to those who may be sensitive to the subject matter of domestic abuse, so you can make a decision whether this episode is right for you at this time. Please make sure to make time for self-care after you listen. I am so excited to welcome back Joanne Holman, who, who is going to be the very first guest host on my podcast. I am handing over the mic for this episode as Joanne will be interviewing me about the chapter I wrote in Hear Her Roar, Successful Women Who Experience Domestic Abuse. If you have been listening to my podcast, you will recognize Joanne's name and her voice as I interviewed her in episode seven. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Chris. Hello to all your gorgeous listeners too. How are you? I am good. Thank you. Um, I am just getting over a cold. I've had a cold for the last 11 days. So I just want to say if I'm coughing a little bit during this interview, that is, that is why. Um, so I hope that my voice will stay strong. <laughs> <laughs> we need your voice to stay strong. What you have to say is, uh, is why we're here. It's so needed. Um, I'm from the UK for anyone that hasn't listened to um, episode seven. Um, and I was blessed to meet this beautiful lady through unfortunate circumstances um, that we were both approached by a lovely lady in a uh, publishing house in Australia. Um, and we both co-authored Hear Her Roar and had very different chapters. Um, but yeah, it's quite um, nerve wracking for me today. Obviously, when I would, I love being, I love interviewing and being interviewed. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite things actually for jobs and all sorts. But being the first on your podcast as your host guest um, interviewer is kind of a very big responsibility. So I hope I'm going to do you proud. And um, yeah, and also for your listeners, because you've done a lot of podcasts and I've listened to to so many most of yours now and you spend a lot of time sharing other people's stories and you know when you actually I think it was on the 7th of February when was it that you did your own story back and you share you literally read your story it was I've listened to that three times because I've read the book Chris um, and you know I'll get to an important question in a moment but I've read the book and nothing touched me more than when I heard you read your own story. And I've listened to that again and again. So if they have, if anyone hasn't listened to your story, um, if you can remind me when that was, I thought it was the 7th of February, but it may not have been, that may have been when we interviewed um, one another. But uh, just go back to that story and listen to you reading, um, yeah, the challenges that you had in your own experience, because it was, yeah, heart-wrenching actually. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, I don't know the exact date that I dropped it, um, but it was, it's episode 10, but I, I believe, let's see, we're in March. So yeah, it was probably mid to late February, um, early March that it was dropped. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. It was, it was, um, I think it was very good to, for me to read my chapter in my voice. So when most people are reading a story, they're actually reading it from their sound and what's in their head as they're reading it. And so having my voice speak and hear the influctuation of my tones and 
the emotion that comes with that, I think was very powerful. And I, you know, I did read it. I did record it a few times um, because I would get, I don't kind of have to take a break as things started coming back to me and I would start remembering those specific, specific things that I was talking about. Um, And so I was really proud of that too. And a lot of people had asked me, you know, okay, you've been interviewing a lot of people on your podcast, when are you going to share your story? And so like everyone, it's, it's hard. It's emotional for us. Um, you know, we get, we get scared. There's that fear. Um, and so it did take me a while to put myself in that vulnerable spot and, but I'm so glad I did. And, um, I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And you were the, one of the first ones that reached out and was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, and it, it made me cry because I, that's the thing with listening to somebody's story when it's their story and it's not on paper, it is literally being able to put yourself in their shoes. So you're inspiring. What you're doing is inspiring. I love living the visions. I can't wait to ask you these few questions um we've got a little similarity in wanting to create as beautiful places for for ladies to go for retreat so you've got a ranch and I want a house so <laughs> you know we, we must at some stage decide if we're going to do this together or how we can do this life. absolutely I don't have a ranch yet I always when I say yet I know that's going to happen a lot of people say well I'm not going to do it yet or this and and when people a lot of people, when they say yet, it never happens. When I say yet, that just means today it hasn't happened, but it will happen for me. And so my husband I always gets nervous it. when I say yet. <laughs> I have to say, I don't doubt it. At the very end of your chapter, one of the things that stuck with me so much was how you talked about one was your partner with his Range Rover. Yes. Um, but also just all the things that you went to, was it Maui with your, your mom? And that was a kind of a very important part of your journey and the trip. And I'll, I'll go back to that in a second, but just all the visions that came to you there for your business of what you wanted and how in two years you got your salon to take this interview with you. Cause you are a magic, like I love manifestation. I believe in it. And you know, there's a question that I would like to ask you towards the end um, is for people that don't understand manifestation, um, I really would like just to have some guidance for that to say, because people don't believe it's possible to create your life. You know, why do bad things happen? So at the end of the interview, I'd love to end on that positive note of like, okay, what's your vision and how do you manifest? Okay, so that's where we'll head to. Well, if that's you, and I are, you and I are both talkers, so we may run out of time, but if we don't get to that, we'll do another episode for sure. Cause I love okay. talking about manifesting. Amazing. Well, maybe we saved that for another <laughs> We'll manifest that. Yes. Um, one of my first questions, um, obviously your whole ethos with your business is educate, empower, envision, envision life without abuse. And obviously when your listeners are probably right in the midst of all of that stuff, it's so important to be focusing on how to get out um, and what that can look like. And you're a brilliant example of that. But I want to take you back, if I can, without making it again too painful that, you know, you obviously decided to share your story with Hear Her Roar. Um, but one of the things I loved, I've, I've taken these questions from your chapter because there was just things that you didn't go deep enough for me. I was like, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> um, one of the things was when you pushed the, the send button and you were like sending that information across to the publishing house, 
you your expression and I have to excuse my my language go for it go for it I know what you're gonna say <laughs> my language has become your language um it's like what the fuck did I just do and you were fearful of the ramifications the repercussions um of you telling your story and also worried about about what people would think and say and going deeper into that because you made that clear in your chapter that that was your thoughts but I would like now to bring you to the reality because sometimes when we think things we're so fearful to move forward because we haven't got the vision of what the actual reality is. So I'd love to have your view on, okay, so you thought that, mm-hmm. how were the, what did people say and what did people feel and what's been the experience for you since? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and I, I know we all went through that and that's why I brought that up is because I remember a specific um messenger message that went back and forth through all of the group, all of us writers. And I can't remember who posted the first, maybe it was you. I can't remember that we're like, that, Hey, is anybody else feeling this (laughs) fear of we've actually done this? What the hell did we just do? And it was very true. Like, and I think I even said this in the book or I can't remember where I said it, but it was like, I was very calm writing my chapter. Like it flowed really naturally and I'm not a writer. And it just, it just came out. Like, I think I wrote it within two or three days. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe I was a little naive. I was very naive about the process. Like I had no idea writing a book, um, even just a chapter, how much, went into it and time and going through, you know, taking us back to, to, to that time in our lives and then how much um, marketing there went behind it and everything. So I was just like, I'm just going to sit down and write this chapter hit send and it's all going to be great. And I'm going to be, you know, I can call myself an author and that's going to be it. In reality, when I hit send, I was like, exactly what you said, what the fuck did I just do? Um, it's going to be out there in writing. It's, we're going to be doing interviews on this. Um, It's going to be all over my social media. Who's going to read it? My family, my friends, my ex. Um, What's the ramifications from the different, I've had two exes, so it's, I'm not going to, you know, one's not any different than the other, how they could um, react to it. And you know, I've shared some things. I haven't gotten deep dive into everything that's happened to me. And again, and I couldn't do that in the book either with 3000 words. So maybe that's for another, another time, but I, I did, I started kind of getting fearful. And I think it's because I was afraid of someone was going to try to come and take that power away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's happened to me year after year after year, um, being in abusive relationships. And so I really had to dig deep and just like, you know what, if anybody comes back to me in my past that I speak to in the relationship, it's just not my ex-husbands. It's been my entire life of relationships. If they have anything to say about it, they can write their own back, their own book. It's kind of how that was kind of finally how I got over that fear. It's like, this is my story and there's absolutely nothing I'm going to allow to take this away from me. People may not agree with it and that's okay. Um, People did not believe me when I told people that I was going through this, when I was getting out of both of the abusive relationships, 
I've lost friends, family members, um, and people didn't believe me or they didn't want to believe me. It depends on who and where they were at in their lives. And so I've done enough healing to know, like, this is my story. This is my journey. And whatever anybody else has to say, that is on them. So would you say on on the back of that is that you from the ramifications and you know the concerns that you had that even if they're out there you're able to you you're able to hold us a, a beautiful strength and protection around you that you're not actually listening to the noise anymore or you're not taking it on board have there been any ramifications that you've had to deal with there's been none oh, yeah. so it was all in our mind yeah it was in my mind and i think i was preparing myself for the worst just in case it did happen. And those are part of our triggers. And we go back. And because I've done a lot of healing, I knew that those triggers were going to come up and I knew how to move forward. But I have had no negative ramifications, only amazing, positive support. Um, And I have met wonderful, wonderful women such as yourself, but even more and beyond the writing of the book. People have reached out to me that I read, I read not just my chapter, obviously the entire book, and we all have our stories and people were like, I feel like I'm not alone anymore. There's other people out there. And I, and I truly believe that's one. I do believe that that is one reason why I do speak at other engagements, why I wrote the book, because I felt so alone. Um, and I didn't think anybody else was going through what I went through. And if we can help somebody heal or give the courage of someone to leave the situation they might be in, then everything that I might have gone through, if there was negative, um, feedback from this book, it would still be worth it. And honestly, I haven't had one thing, um, that doesn't mean that it won't come up in the future. Um, but I think enough time has passed now that if anything was going to happen, it would have. And so, um, I mean, it is out there. Anybody can find it, can associate me with it. Um, and it's, you know, all over social media as well. And so, you know, we're not, we're not being quiet anymore. We're using our voices and it is out there. And that is, and that was one reason why I did it. Very true to your vision, because, you know, when you talk about educate and power, you know, you're, you're doing exactly that through your, your organization. So the strength that you're demonstrating will give people like me, like your listeners and, and, you know, just that, that courage. And it is the loneliness. And I relate to that so much. That's the thing where I spend all of my time crying, hurting, you lose your personality, you lose your sense of self, you lose your, your self-esteem, which is low anyway. Um, and just all of this talking is healing. And, you know, you talk about that in your chapter, how important it is to talk. So anyone that can come forward to you to open up those conversations, I think is already a beautiful part of the journey because it was when you don't feel there's anyone who's going to listen or wants to listen and, you know, because you want to keep repeating yourself because you keep wanting to clarify, did that happen? You know, was that really how it was? Um, you've, you've offered them that, that, that listening ear, which I think is beautiful. So my next question is narcissism for me was not something that um, I, didn't, I didn't know about it actually. So if we sp- specifically reference narcissistic personalities, um, it came out of nowhere and it seems to be now 
everywhere and I don't know if that's like you know we take your your beautiful husband's rain for example that you don't see one and then when you want one you keep seeing them everywhere um but it's concerning because you know I said here you're talking about narcissistic personalities I didn't know what they were and experiencing them but can you enlighten me a little bit more but also your listeners with some examples of narcissistic traits that might make them as I you know we're not aware of certain things they become these behaviors that they do these little things and they do them very subtly and add them on and they build them up and stack them on top of each other and then suddenly it's big but have you got some examples of of what a narcissistic personality or a toxic relationship in that narcissistic empath relationship might be suffering from yeah absolutely and I didn't know what narcissistic personality was I didn't have any idea what that meaning was when I was in those relationships. And it wasn't until I was out and started researching of why does this keep happening? Why am I, why do I keep getting into the same type of relationships? This just is not healthy. Um, this can't be right. (laughs) I'd see other people in what I believe to be healthy relationships. So I know that it, it, it's gotta be out there. Um, I think one of the I mean, there's a lot of red flags. And so as examples is a narcissistic, they know exactly what they're doing when they, they seek out people that are vulnerable. And so people are very surprised when you see a very successful woman Um, you see, you know, it's, I think it's come out a lot because people that are very successful women, like movie stars, actresses, or same thing, actresses, um, singers, very, very well-known public people, they are now starting to share their stories. And you're like, well, how can somebody that educated, beautiful, talented, blah, 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 get into that situation. And what people don't understand is it's not it's not just physical. And I think that that is a barrier is so many people believe that abuse is only physical. They don't realize that the emotional and psychological abuse is really, I don't want to say way worse, because I know physically, it can be, you know, it can be death. But when you're in the emotional and psychological abuse for years in and years out over and over and over again, you don't know how to get out of that because it's almost like being brainwashed. And so example of of what might happen in right yeah so I was just gonna say that so as an example is you know when they come in when you first met them they are sweet and loving and want to spend all their time with you and oh my gosh you're the best thing that ever happened to me and I'm loving watching your body language (laughs) I've never I've never loved anybody (laughs) as much as I've loved you and you understand me more than anybody else and oh my gosh just I can't believe I met you. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, thank you. You know, and you, you know, fall in love and they bring you flowers and give you all the attention and they want to talk to you all the time. And you're on the phone. It's like, you know, it's that everybody goes through that first phase. And so they know that they have got you as from your reactions from that. Right. And then once they feel like you have invested your emotional time and energy into them, things start to slowly shift. 
you will start to see them take small little jobs at you. This doesn't happen like overnight. This can happen for months and months and months until you're so into it. You don't even realize that's happened. So all of a sudden they're like, you know, you maybe, maybe you're late to, maybe you guys had a date and you're, they didn't pick you up and you're meeting them somewhere and you're five minutes late. All of a sudden this blows into a huge argument. How could you not be on time? I must not be important to you. You know, you're, you're, um, you should all, you should leave 15 minutes early. How could you be so irresponsible? And you're just like, where, like, I, I'm, you know, there was traffic <laughs> or, you know, all of a sudden you're wearing, you can't go out looking like that. Guys might look at you, you know, you're dressed too provocatively, but yet that's the same outfit you wore for them on one yeah. of your dates. And it was fine. You know, so all of a sudden these little things, or if you have children together, you know, you're not parenting the correct way. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. It's just the constant little jobs here and there. Um, all of a sudden they start exploding, you know, they get mad and they start yelling at you and you're just like, where did this come from? You know, um, you never saw that part of them before because they didn't want you to see that they have a short temper, that they yell, that they scream, that they make it about everybody else. And then as soon as you kind of start pushing back a little bit, now they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That'll never happen again. I should have never treated you like that. Please don't leave me. My whole life is going to be ruined if you leave. Um, I'll go to counseling. I'll do better. I mean, the counseling comes way, way later when they say that, but that's just an example. Um, you know, they, they always apologize. They apologize and say, it'll never happen again, but then they turn it just a little bit and say, but if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have reacted that way. Yeah. So a bit, a bit of blame culture kind of starting to kick in and they don't take, they will never take. I don't want to say never because it's part of their MO. They take responsibility, but they don't take responsibility. They're saying that they're going to take responsibility and they're sorry for what they do, but their actions are very different from their apology. It's empty. Yeah. Their apologies mean nothing. They will never change. And that was one thing when I did get into a healthy relationship um, and with my husband now, it's like, you can tell me you love me till you're blue in the face, but it's how you demonstrate your love to me is how we live our relationship now. And I say that all the time to my clients, like you can listen to whatever they have to say, but it's their actions every day that are, they're showing you who they are. They're demonstrating to you every day who they are. And so people can demonstrate in a very negative way and they can demonstrate in a very positive way. So you have to be able to really see and not listen to what people are telling you when it comes to unhealthy relationships. One thing that I I found certainly with, with my husband is that it's the confusing roller coaster of you know, he, I was his everything one day to being absolutely nothing the next, you know, I can give examples where he's, you know, scream, shout, absolutely explosive is, is, is exactly right what you've said. And then the next minute is like, oh, it's beautiful out here. Come and join me on the terrace in your bikini. And you're just like, uh, 
I don't know. Do you remember what just happened? And it's it's so strange because that's all manipulation is. It's all part of the abuse that. So just to be mindful, I guess, is that it, it comes in positive but in negative forms as well. And they're, they're both the same thing. They're both with an agenda on on their part. And it's just kind of being aware that anything that doesn't feel right, because um, we know the red flags are there. We had a conversation about red flags when we were interviewing before. They're flying high. And, you know, I, I, I love the expression, as I may have shared with you, that on a beach, you don't have red flags flying and ignore it and go in the water. Why do we do that with our relationships? If you're feeling uncomfortable, ladies, don't go there. Come out. Absolutely. And, and that takes me on to when I'm saying about the extremes of their personalities, um, fairy tales. Mm. You speak about fairy tales um, in your chapter. And my question, because I'm still a little baffled by this myself, is why do we that, you know, why why do we end up then in this complete opposite place with our with our relationships when all we were hunting for was the fairy tale? Right. Well, you know, as we get older, there really is no such thing as a fairy tale. You know, we are raised as little girls. Uh, the white knight will come and rescue us and make our whole life better. And there's the Disney shows and the Hallmark movies and everything you can, the, the soap operas. I mean, there's just so much that feeds us as we're growing, as we're little, as little girls, as we're growing up, that we need a man to make us complete and make us happy and live these lives of happily ever after. And so I think there are many reasons that, and we all have our own story of what we believed in and what that, what that fairy tale is. And for, so for me, I was looking for, I was feel, I was looking for someone to fill that void um, of not having a loving, healthy relationship um, father figure in my life. And mm -hmm not the supportive father that I needed around to, to feel that, that place in my heart. And I think I was also looking for someone to take, you know, take me away from the chaos and the abuse that I had been suffering since I was a little girl, emotionally and physically. Um, and I didn't feel like I had a, a very stable family life and I didn't feel loved, which if you know me, um, I've, I've been very independent since I was the age of 17. I've been on my own. So I've been taking care of myself financially, you know, emotionally, spiritually. Well, I thought emotionally, spiritually, but, um, you know, I've been on my own. So I'm very independent and I've been very successful in, in almost everything that I have accomplished in my life. And so when people hear my story, they, they don't understand like, but you're so, your person, your persona is so very different than what I can't imagine you in that situation. And so I think for the fairy tale, like all my friends were getting married really young back in the day, you know, when I'm 50, almost 54. So back in the day, everybody was getting married, you know, in their early twenties and all my friends were getting married and having children and, and I was just like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I was kind of looking for that. And because I didn't have a healthy family environment, I was attracted to men that had families 
And at the time I met them, I thought they were wonderful families and they all are, and I won't ever say anything negative about them. Um, and so I, I think that's why there were certain things I was attracted to, but I only, I just assumed those fairy tales also included um, the ups and downs and the roller coasters and um, the negativity, because that's generational for me. That's all I've known and all I've seen. So I'm looking for someone to take me out of that, but how, I will never get take me out of the situation and have this fairy tale life, but I'll never be able to accomplish that fairy tale life because I don't know what that really is. And so, yeah, yeah, it's just generational after generation after generation for me. And so I don't think I would have ever found that because in quotes, that fairy tale, because I didn't really know what a healthy relationship is. And and I don't believe in fairy tales. I do believe in love. And I do believe that you create your own in quote fairy tale, um, but it doesn't have to include a man. No. And I think um, I did an interview this morning. We, we spoke about it briefly earlier and I asked that question about fairy tales. This is, you know, um, this was a gentleman who is a narcissist, mm-hmm. you know, self-proclaimed narcissist. And his answer of that is we created fairy tales they're unreal they don't exist mm-hmm. and that's it isn't it so we're we're chasing a fairy tale but it isn't real and they're making that not real so it's just fascinating the way he kind of put the perspective on that because <laughs> a narcissist has written those stories they're not real we, you know we've created them and I was like how disappointing to get to nearly 50 and <laughs> fairy tales aren't really true <laughs> yes I want my I want my foot to fit in that glass slipper damn it <laughs> exactly exactly but no thank you so much thank you so much Chris and and there's a couple of parts of your book that are quite difficult I'm sure for you to go back to but there was something that really stood out harshly for me in your whole story and it was a a difficult time in your apartment forgive me for for kind of not detailing it um, 100% as per your book but I remember you were saying describing a night and your neighbors had called 911 or whatever mm-hmm. your service yep. is um, to get some help for you and the bit that concerned me is not obviously what happened in and you know in, in that moment and you describe it in the book so anyone who wants to find out more they can do that but the fact that the professional services, when they arrived, were more concerned about your ex's hand because he had hit a wall and he needs to get some help is has led me to the question, what do we need to do with the professional services to, to support people moving forward? Because how did they miss the true reality of the drama and the seriousness of what was going on and take focus and get him out of the situation and, and ignore the reality? Yeah. I'm quite excited by that. Yeah. And, you know, it happens so often. Um, I think the most recent example of, you know, police not taking domestic abuse seriously is the Jody Petito. Um, did I say her name right? Um, yeah. Case. And that was all over in the, in the news. Um, and one of our co-authors, Kristen, she actually wrote a beautiful poem about um, that situation. And so when this particular situation um, happened, it was, I want to say it was back in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. So again, I don't even, I had never even heard of domestic abuse. So I don't even know if it was a topic 
of discussion among um, first responders, you know, uh, doctors, those kinds of things like there is now. And so I think they probably did the best that they could at that particular time. But yeah, I do think they could have removed him because there were definitely signs. Um, so referring back to the book and that story is, you know, uh, I was married to an alcoholic. He was completely out of control that day. Um, and he, you know, we were fighting and arguing and, and it, it was very physical. I became a very physical person as well because I was protecting myself. So there was a lot of shoving, a lot of yelling, screaming. Um, I take full responsibility for that. And, but I had also had years of this going on. So it wasn't like this was the one and only time. And so I was protecting myself. He had me down on the floor and the, um, the kitchen floor with a, with a, a knife to my throat and with every ounce of strength I could, like, I just tried to buck him off because I felt like this was going to be the, really the end for me. Um, I don't really remember much like of the whole situation after like how I got back up. But I do know that the reason he broke his hand is because he tried to hit me and he hit the wall instead. I don't know if I ducked or moved to the right or to the left, but he was coming after to hit me again. And he just slammed his hand right into the drywall. And that's how he broke his hand. And so this is what alerted the neighbors want, you know, one, they could hear the arguing because we were on the top floor, they were below us. So they could hear the screaming, the yelling, everything that was going on. Um, you know, you're, you're hearing, uh, things breaking in the house. You're hearing, you know, probably crackling of the drywall. And so thank God somebody did call because that was not the first time that that happened. So that I think they were fairly new neighbors too. So they did. I really feel like, (laughs) excuse me, that they saved, saved my life that night. And so the police did come and they asked questions. And I re I remember saying it was like, you know, he's only doing this because he's drunk. I, I went into that protective mode, just like so many of us do, because we're scared. We love this person, but we hate this person. So we love this person and my automatic instinct is to protect him and not have him go to jail. But the other side of me is like, I just want him out of here because if he comes back, this is going to happen again. And so they did, you know, he was like, oh, I just had too much to drink, blah, blah, blah. And um, things just got out of control. My hand really hurts. You know, he's holding his hand. He's got ice on it. So they were like, um, I think they did say, you know, back then somebody had to leave. So they were like, you know, this is what we're going to do is you need to go to him. You need to go to the hospital and have your hand looked at. And my question to them was he's drunk and you're telling him to get into his car and drive to the hospital. My goodness. How is that appropriate? And they said, if he gets in the car, why we're here and he starts driving, we can arrest him for drunk driving. Right. So, um, of course he waited because <laughs> I don't know why he didn't get in the car, but I know eventually he did. I don't remember the time length, but they finally left. He got on the car. He went to the hospital and 
I did too. Like I got in a separate car later. And I think what I was more concerned about is not necessarily if he was going to, if his hand was going to be okay. It was more about, I want to make sure he really is going to the hospital. And if he's been driving drunk, that he doesn't kill somebody on the way to the hospital. Yeah. So again, as messed up as that sounds to, if you're listening to this, you're so emotionally and psychological have been in this abusive relationship that I was still more concerned about him than I was about me or concerned about him hurting somebody else than I was about me. I should have taken that time to pack up, move, get out of there and never been back. And I didn't, I mean, we were still married after that, not much longer. I did leave um, only a year after we were married, but so um so that's the story to that back to your question. Um, I think I, I do believe that the law enforcement um, needs to take domestic violence so much more seriously. And I know that there's programs out there. They are getting more training. Um, I also think that it's all too often that they don't understand narcissistic abuse. Um, not, I, and I want to, I do have friends that are, that are in law enforcement, so I don't want to say all law enforcement, because some really do take this seriously, but I know there's so much more knowledge and training that needs to be done. Um, I think they need to approach uh, when they come up a situation is a ticket more urgent, that this really could be their opportunity to save someone's life or else to be able to get the information that this person needs to the resources for them to feel like they have an opportunity to speak to somebody else, or if they need a place to go stay, um, this could save their life. And so having that knowledge, having those resources on hand with them to say, listen, here's what we've got. I can get you to this place, this place, this place, I'll drive you, you know, or I'll have some law enforcement, they have a a specific um, department with people that will come out, advocates that will come out and actually talk to you and help you through the process. So I believe with all the laws that are changing around domestic abuse and cost of um, control, that things are changing. I just don't believe that they're changing fast enough because again, like I said, this happened back in the late eighties, early nineties for me. And here we are at 2022. Same conversations. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, yeah, it's no, no different. Unfortunately in, in the UK, it, it doesn't have enough spotlight, um, but that's why we're here, Chris, you know, we're little by little people are making changes. Um, now I have two more questions for you, but I'm very <laughs> mindful that you are super good with your time and I'm really rubbish. <laughs> what would you like to do with this? Would you like me to, because there was something about you, you know, you were being told not to tell that I wanted to touch on, but also I, I really wanted to end on your ability to kind of you talk about freedom and and as you encourage us all to write our next chapter and it's such a beautiful place to end and I don't want to miss that bit because of time so I don't know whether we just jump to there if you're happy to do that um and I'd just love to know what's in the the next beautiful chapter for you because you know you are envisaging envisaging (laughs) your life and it's manifesting and you know and and I just think you know I'm really excited to know where where's your journey taking you yeah thank you um I'll just touch a little bit on each um so you I I know one of your questions is you know I was told uh, in my book on the first I think it's page or two 
after each incident that I talk about, um, I say I was told not to tell. And so I, I, I want to say I, 90% of the time I didn't tell, um, but there were times that I did tell and I wasn't being heard. Um, so I think it's very important. I want to tell everybody that is as scared as we are to tell it's going to save your life. It's going to change your life, but it's very important that you tell the right people. So there's a big difference between telling someone what's going on in your, in your life, because they, if you're not telling the right person, one, they may not believe you Two, if you're telling them all the time and you don't leave the relationship. A lot of people stop wanting to hear about it because they're like, they don't understand. Yeah. In order to get the support that you need, you have to tell the right people, whether it's an advocate, someone that's been through it before. If you've never been through domestic abuse and there's so many different kinds. It's not just emotional, physical, it is financial, it's litigation. It is, um, um, not internet. What do you call this that we're all (laughs) on now? Um, I can't think of the word, um, social, not just like social media, but all, you know, all this that's going on. There's so, um, financial, there's financial abuse. There's elderly elder abuse, There's so many different types of abuse that if you've never gone through it, it's so hard to be that support person for someone that has gone through it because you don't understand. So it's really important to find that right person. And if you don't, if you tell someone and you don't get the support that you need, the understanding, the, um, then find someone else. Don't tell anybody that's related to your narcissist. to 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 your abuser because it's going to get around and they're most likely are going to take the abuser's um, side because it's a family member, a friend or whatever. Um, So I think it's very, uh, very important to tell the right person. And a lot of people here, um, I don't know, I've talked to so many women that didn't even realize that there's 24 seven advocate care, um, available in the U S. Um, I think probably where you're at too, but definitely in the U S and it's as easy as calling a phone number, um, or, um, they're also on the internet and you have access to people that can help you through this. They, they're not going to remove you from the situation because you have to do that yourself, but they are definitely going to give you the strength and the guidance and the knowledge of what steps you can take. Yeah, and I think just to reiterate on your point that you made in your book is it takes seven, you know, on average seven times. And so not to be frustrated with yourself that you've gone back again and again and again and feeling, why am I doing that? We've all done that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, you know, you just find that one day, don't you? That one moment, that one last thing that suddenly it's like enough. And I know you've, we'll have to carry on in in another (laughs) another interview because you again touch on that in your book. You just had this this gut, you knew, didn't you? You knew you were never going back. And and I had that same moment too. So just that reassurance. It does come and it will happen. And so the other question you talk is about freedom and my gosh, I, and I wrote this in my book, the day that the arbitrator, um, I was with my best girlfriend and we were taking her son to, um, visit college 
And so we were driving, oh, I think it was what, 257 miles or 75 miles, something like that. I wrote in the book and we're in a hotel room. Um, I was waiting for the, the arbitrator's um, order to come through and we had gone out to dinner. We were sitting outside the hotel. It was a really nice night and clear, no, a little bit of wind. And I happened to look on my phone because I've been looking all day to see what was going to come through on the order. And when I read it, I was just like, I felt this sense of peace and freedom come over me. And I looked up into the sky and there was a big American flag blowing in the wind above me. And, you know, people think of flags as freedom. And so it was that moment that I actually felt free because there was so much in that order that went my way that I fought so hard for, for 10 years. I was in litigation for 10 years, year after year being taken back. And that's a whole nother topic about litigation abuse. And I finally felt like someone heard me, someone believed me, someone understood me, the actions that were taken in court by the other party um, that everybody witnessed. It finally proved to everybody that my story that I was telling was the truth. And I felt so much freedom from that. And that was another step in my healing journey. Like, this is it. Did it stop at that, that particular day? No, it didn't last much longer after that, because there was no more control. As soon as um, our son turned 18, that power and control went away. Yeah. I had um, something really powerful today that um, I would love to share with you and your visitors is, and your listeners, my apologies, is that, you know, we all, I'm so sorry, there's noise in the background, I do apologize. Um, so yeah, one of the things that was really important for me is that we do, we spend so much time worrying because they, they move on very quickly sometimes, lots of times to other relationships, new people think that they're kind of why have we been um disregarded and why are we insignificant anymore and actually um my partner my ex-husband has just got married again a week ago (laughs) wife number five and I just want to say that if you're feeling that or you're in that place if any of your listeners are in that place where they're like oh why am I being treated this way celebrate I know you can't see it right now but celebrate the fact that he's found somebody else because that is your ticket to freedom in Mm -hmm. my opinion yeah he's gone on to his next supply exactly exactly without healing and without him changing because he will never change no he's just had to find the next person no absolutely but I hadn't ever looked at I spent I was that person dwelling on you know oh he's already got another girlfriend's already you know and Mm -hmm. actually it's the best thing that could have ever happened so maybe that's why I'm feeling lighter this week (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. You can, you can take a breath. Unfortunately for another, unfortunately, another woman is now going to go through that suffering. And we wish that we could have a conversation with the next supply, but it doesn't matter what you tell the next supply. They are not going to believe you because they are already in that. The romantic. Um, yeah the romantic uh first phase of their relationship and so unfortunately they're not going to get it either i know uh, i know that probably nobody could have told me either because then the, the narcissist turns it around to 
blame us. Oh, they're just jealous or, you know, they're crazy or they just, they still love me or, you know, they don't want, they don't want me to be with you or that kind of stuff. And so then it becomes the, the new, the new supply won't believe us because now we're, we're the bad person. And we're already the, we're, they're the victim anyway mm-hmm. in all of this. So, you know, we've already been, our names have already been smeared. So it's just no point. It's wasted energy, isn't it? It's just, it's, 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 it is. yeah. Spend that energy on healing yourself and getting into and building, ranches. <laughs> <laughs> building our new lives and preparing and envisioning our new vision for our next chapter. Exactly. And that's where we, we end with you. It's like the next chapter for you. What does that look like? Yeah, the next chapter for me, um, you know, I've been working um, two jobs for the last uh, two years. And so at the end of this month, I am uh, putting aside one of those jobs and really getting back to um, re-energizing and refocusing on still um, living my vision and helping women um, educate, empower, and envision a life without abuse. And um you and I have had this conversation. I have started horse horseback riding lessons because one of the things that I have a vision for is to create a retreat. Um, I'd love to have a ranch someday and create retreats for women to come and be on a horse ranch. Um, I have fallen in love with horses and the healing power that they have. And so at almost 54, my little girl dreams of, um, owning a horse and, and taking riding lessons is coming true. That's one of them. Now that COVID and the restrictions of COVID, I really would like to uh, start um, going to workshops again and women conferences and speaking about uh, not just only domestic violence and recovering and healing from that, but I'm also a personal development coach and those two go hand in hand and so much. Um, so I also want to continue to work with not just women in personal development, but that seems to be where my niche, um, leads me, but to working in a, in the personal development realm. And then I'd really like to, um, collaborate with more people, which is why you and I keep getting together and working so well together, as I believe that there's a a future for some type of collaboration together. So this year that on a, on a work, um, when I think about living the visions on for personal, oh, and my podcast, here I am, we're on this podcast. Of course, I want to continue to build my um, listeners on podcasts and have, and have more amazing uh, people to speak with and, and using my voice. I don't want to have every episode be an interview because I have a lot to say of my own. So I'm going to be rolling out a lot more podcasts. Uh, podcast episodes this year. And so on a personal note for me is, um, you know, take, take my live in the visions and set that aside a little bit is just, I'm really going to focus on me this year. Um, and to some people that might sound selfish, but I have been, I've lived my whole life giving and giving and giving and, and I am ready to give to myself. And I am just going to take some time to see where all this and how this all plays out. And I'm going to do it just like I talked about in the book. I am talking to everybody I know about opportunities. My word for the year in 2022 was to say yes to new opportunities. 
Amazing. So I am already doing that. I'm already meeting amazing new people. I've got, you know, new clients that are um, going to start working with me and I'm saying yes to new trips. I'm going to do more traveling this year than I've ever done before. Um, I'm setting my own schedule. I'm not, um, I love building, yeah, I'm building my own vision, um, for this year and for me and my family and, my husband and I were going to do a lot more traveling and spending time together. And I am um, working on creating some more uh, women workshops actually in my own home that I, that you guys, well, you can't see it actually, cause we're not live, but um, <laughs> so I have some workshops coming up um, with some women too. So that's where I really see my focus this year. And I'm really that's excited so about that. Much of a beautiful vision. It's yeah. exciting. I and remember it, I have a sticky on my computer that, you know, I keep my word in front of me and it's always financial abundance. That's 24 seven, no matter what year it is. But, um, you know, I say yes to opportunities. And so that's part of living that visions is having it in front of you 24 seven. And it's on, you know, my phones, my laptops. Um, I'm talking about it all the time. So that's, that's how it happens. Absolutely love if you ever do have a manifesting episode I have to be there because um you know my vision board is if I showed it to you now it's gone back to blank because I wanted to start again because I wasn't sure after this relationship how much of the stuff was really me or was him and influenced so I decided uh, just actually the beginning of this week I stripped it back to nothing and I'm gradually each morning I spend a little bit of time each day just adding something else on that I know has authentically come from me so super exciting times I may need your assistance you might have to have me on some of your vision making courses absolutely yeah I would love that and that's the thing about vision boards is you change them as your visions evolve. You can change just because you put that on the board. That doesn't mean every single thing on that board is meant to happen that day, that year, that, that month, it can be long-term. Um, and then as you evolve too, you'll decide, like you said, you weren't sure if it was what you wanted, or maybe it was a combination of still the past, And so that's, I love the fact that you took it all down, stripped it down and started over again. And that is exactly what visions are about. They change, they manifest. Some things manifest for you for a reason in a season and other things manifest because you are not supposed to go down that path. And so it's learning what that is and knowing the difference. No, I'm so, so grateful. It's been, again, amazing to talk to you. You inspired me so much when we had our our last um, episode. And one of the things that you reminded me or that I love so much was your 50th, your 40th celebration, your coming out party. And my 50th is in just a few weeks. And I promised that I would plan something special and I still haven't done it. So (laughs) the thing that I have to create is a vision for my 50th. So that's what I'm going to go away and do right now. Perfect. Yes, that was, if you guys listened to episode, Episode seven, um, Joanne and I talk about my 40th birthday and I did a little dancing with the stars and, uh, Joanne loves to dance as well. So we were, we were, uh, canoodling about how we could (laughs) come up with a big party for that and, and, uh, shake it off by Taylor Swift. And (laughs) so her and I were texting back and forth about trying, you know, when we were kind of having a 
a moment where we were on our little pity potty. We were just like, shake it off, girlfriend, shake it off, you know, with our shoulders and stuff. So yes, I adore you. I am so glad that I met you and thank you so much for being the very first guest host and making me feel so, um, confident and less nervous about being interviewed. It was just like two girls having a conversation and, And I hope that our listeners, both your listeners, when, if they listen to this and my listeners got a lot out of this conversation and Joanne has some great, um, things coming on the pipeline too. So you should definitely follow her. So why don't you give us where they can find you on Instagram and your website? Yeah. So Instagram, um, is refined your sparkle. Um, because it's about helping ladies take back their power, reclaim their life and take back their spark, uh, refine their sparkle. So refine your sparkle on Instagram and she sparkles on the website. <laughs> so she sparkles.co.uk. And it really is about having been stripped of your identity, your personality, of all the things that you, you know, you're so special for is helping people refine that. But it's at very early stages to, to, to create because I'm very new out of this relationship, but it's something that I am very passionate about that will grow for sure. Absolutely. And she, a uh, little tidbit, little secret, she's got a podcast coming out too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I have to launch it. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. So nice All right. Thank you. I will talk to you later. Bye, lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Live in the Visions. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave a review to help me educate, empower, and help women envision a life without abuse. Education is key to breaking the cycle. If you or anyone you know is being abused, please reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline for support at 1-800-799-7233.